may be seated. Hey, 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 holy cow, thank you, worship team and Christy Hopkins, especially for leading us. Wow, that is a treat. The things that Will and Christy have to do to do ministry here are like they're a Herculean like efforts. They've got three boys, right? And like trying to get rehearsal and to get here really early for this part. Oh my goodness. They already do that kind of stuff all the time, but then to add this on is such a special treat. So thank you guys for serving here. And Troy McDonald shows off his wonder musicianship by being on the drum kit. Come on. Nicely done, sir. Nicely done. All right, well, this week we are returning to our sermon series, and we're in this series called Supernatural, where we are looking at the unseen world around us. We've, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit uh, next week. We've been looking at Satan and angels and demons, and uh, next Sunday, by the way, you will not want to miss it. You're going to want to be here. It's Pentecost Sunday, which is on the church calendar when the Holy Spirit was poured, upon, poured out upon the believers way, way back when, um, and we are going to have a message on the power of the Holy Spirit. And seriously, you are not gonna, you're, you're gonna wanna be here. You're not gonna wanna miss this at all. Um, and I honestly think it could be life-changing for some of us here. So, But today, in this whole realm of the supernatural, unseen world, I wanna look at God's um, spiritual beings that we know as angels. And I want to look at what the Bible tells us about angels because truthfully, uh, many folks just don't even understand what the role of angels in the unseen world is and in our lives. What is the role of an angel? And it's real common, I think. Part of that is because we, a lot of us anyway, we get our beliefs or our images or our pictures about what angels are um, from, you know, television shows or movies, right? For example, how many of you used to watch, long ago, the TV show Touched by an Angel? Anybody watch this one? Anybody watch this one? Right. So if you watch this show, it's very heartwarming. It's very great. So maybe, I guess, a lot of people think that angels are just British women with British accents, right? It's very... That's how they are, right? Um, there was also a while back, a uh, great baseball movie. Uh, just kidding about that part. Uh, Angels in the Outfield, who's seen that long ago? Angels in the Outfield, just a few of you. Oh man, you're missing out, right? Yeah, right. Now how many of you, your favorite, all-time favorite Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life? If you love that, show your hand, like raise your hand. Yeah, you like A Wonderful Life? I know some of you hate it, but you need Jesus because it makes the rest of us cry every year. And if we were to take our cues about what angels are from, from It's a Wonderful Life, uh, there's two things that I pick out. One, there is at least one angel whose name is what? Clarence. Clarence. Nicely done. Clarence. Uh, and every, the second thing we learn about angels is that every time a bell rings, what happens? An angel gets his wings, right? Okay, there we go. So there's, you know, the extent of our knowledge um, from It's a Wonderful Life on angels. Uh, can you guys turn to the person next to you here? Just can you think of any other um, depictions of angels on TV or movie? Just turn to the person next to you for you know 30 seconds here. Just tell them. Can you think of any ones? <laughs> All right, holler some of them out. I already heard a great one. Charlie's Angels is yeah. That was yeah. <laughs> I would ask Bruce who his favorite angel was, but I'm not, I'd probably get in trouble. Who else? Any other angel depictions? 
Oh my goodness, I thought nobody would know that one. I was going to put a picture of him up there with the angel wings and the white t-shirt with the ripped off sleeve smoking a cigarette angel. That was John Travolta and Michael. I'm so, I'm so glad somebody named it. Yeah, that's a good one, right? Anybody else? What, what? Nick Cave, City of Angels. Yeah, so there's all these different, right, pictures, depictions, and a lot of people, right? A lot of people, we kind of, I mean, we don't really look at this that much. Um, so we get our depictions of what an angel must look like from TV or movies or, or at Valentine's Day. Has anybody ever gotten a card at some point with a little naked bald-headed baby just playing a harp on a cloud, right? Craig Groeschel points this out. Some people think that angels are actually naked babies with no hair playing a harp on a cloud when truthfully... All that is, is a baby on a cloud playing a harp. That's all that is, right? That's, that's not an angel. That's not what angels are like. Um, another kind of popular conception uh, is that when your relative dies, then they go to heaven and that's where they become an angel and then maybe they're your guardian angel. Uh, a lot of people believe that. Um, so, so um, think about this. So like if your grandma passes away and some people say, well, now... Now, grandma's, my guardian angel, grandma, is with me wherever I go. She is always watching over me, which I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I don't want my grandma watching me, right? I just, no thank you, right? Some things are just not right. I do not need my grandma seeing everything. Um, You know, it's kind of like, hey, sorry, grandma, you know, I can go to the bathroom and take a shower on my own. Okay, just thank you very much. But thankfully, thankfully, Grandma uh, does not become an angel, and she's not your guardian angel either. Uh, Real quick, though, just kind of a little side note. Um, Jesus, and I think this is part of where that guardian angel idea comes from, is Jesus does say that children do have angels protecting them. It's just kind of a side note here. Matthew 18, 10, Jesus says, Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Uh, and again, that's one of the places that people get the idea that maybe there's guardian angels. Um, uh, but either way, it ain't your grandma, okay? There's maybe some angels watching, but it ain't grandma. Um, so what does, that's all kind of the depictions that we get and, and a little bit of a clue there. But what does the Bible tell us about angels? And that's what I want to look at through the rest of this message. And I won't get to everything, but I didn't want to make this a four-week series. But um, the first thing that I want to note from the Bible is that the word angel from Scripture means messenger. And you will see that angels appear in Bible stories as messengers, and they're carrying an important message to God from, um, or to humans, sorry, from God. He sends them to carry this message. And what's kind of interesting is just a few times we see that when God sends an angel as a messenger, a few times, a couple few times, they come, sometimes they come in disguise, Right? There's Genesis 18. There's three angels that visit Abraham and tell him, hey, you and your uh, wife, Sarah, in your old age, you guys are going to have a child, which, by the way, at their age, with a message like that, I'm sure God was like, yeah, yeah, I better send an angel on this one just to make sure that he's you know, not confused. Like, oh, that really was God. Um, so that one, they were in disguise as people, um, and I think it's important to know that sometimes God does send an angel in disguise, which helps us make a little more sense of this verse in Hebrews, um, 
because you may have entertained an angel or been around one and not known it. Look at this verse from Hebrews. Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, maybe some of you in the room have had an encounter like this. Um, And what's interesting is you can't scientifically prove most of this stuff, right? And I think that's part of why the angels do it in disguise is they don't want to be proven. They don't want it to be known. They are God's messengers. They're not here for the glory of themselves or to prove anything because they don't care. They exist either way, whether we believe in them or not, right? So, um, but I do, I can think of a story that, that um, a couple stories actually. One where uh, a friend of mine, we were playing in a band and we were about to go tour in Europe. This was during our college days. And his name um, was Jim, not the Jim here, but uh, from Minnesota. And Jim was really struggling because he had come off of of drugs and a lot of drinking, but he had grown up in this pretty rigid Baptist church, and so the categories of like trying to follow Jesus and struggling still sometimes with some of the things he was doing, he just was in a battle, and we were about to leave and go on tour, and and, um, Jim tells this story frequently still, and he came out to a loading dock to to kind of hide out and have a smoke because he didn't want anybody in the band to know that he was like, you know, still smoking. Like we knew, by the way, but anyway, <laughs> it's hard to, hide, hard to hide that smell. But that was, you know, he just felt a lot of shame around that, especially because of his upbringing. And he wandered into and met a homeless guy. And I can't remember if it was a, the homeless guy. Uh, somehow Jim got him some food or something and just started talking with him. And this supposed homeless guy had a message of God's grace that Jim had never heard before, even though he'd grown up in the church. And, and long story short, it was, eno- it was enough like, like revelation that Jim was like, wow, wait a minute, okay, it's not about me being worthy to go and tour with our band and lead people to Jesus in Europe. Uh, like, there is grace. And he, all these doors kind of opened up, and then there were some other things that happened in the situation, especially when Jim turned around and the guy was gone <laughs> and couldn't have walked anywhere in the two seconds that he had turned his back, that Jim realized that that probably was an angelic encounter. Um, do I have time to tell this story? I, I was at a, I've been in one situation where I'm sure there was some sort of angel intervention, even though I didn't see anything. Um, I was playing in a band just a couple years after this with some, some um, musicians. We only played a few gigs together because one of the guys was always touring around the, around the world. And, and he was back, and so we played a bunch of music together and put together this combination of four or five of us that would just play. Um, and we had rehearsed you know, pretty well, but we hadn't done it into a sound system at all. Um, and so we kept adding players. Next song, we'd add another player. Next song, it'd just get a little bigger. And um, there was a, a cello player that she had never played a live performance in her life. And she was very good, but she was very nervous. And we, um, we had sound checked her, and she was great. It sounded fine. It was wonderful. And then when we got up to play, um, she got very nervous and played about a half song and then just kind of put her cello down and walked away. And what was weird for me back playing on the drums was I could still hear like strings playing. And I thought, wow, we haven't played this song so many times that I'm like hearing this kind of orchestral arrangement behind us. 
Um, and this was not in the days where you would put tracks into the music. And, um, and when we finished that last song, there were a bunch of people that just kind of came forward and they were like, what was that sound? How did you guys do that? And the sound man came up and he was just slack-jawed because he, he went through and verified that there was nothing coming through the sound system that was what everybody else was hearing, this orchestra behind us um, playing an angelic sort of music. Um, and then one young lady who it was so interesting because she was like struggling with her faith and even believing in God. She actually had never had something like this before, but she saw an angelic stringed four or five angels playing along with the band in that song. She had a vision and, and saw it as clear as anything. And so it was just so strange because I could go into more detail, but I won't, but, but there was something supernatural that happened in that moment. Now, I'm sure some of you probably have some angelic stories. And what's, again, so fascinating is in our Western scientific mindset, we want to prove everything. And I think that that can be fine. But that could also lead us to miss, I think, these creatures, these realities that don't necessarily want to be seen, right? They're not out there in it for themselves. But scripture does tell us that sometimes we entertain angels unaware. So you never know. You just never know when an angel might show up. Um, we, we had someone come in this during COVID season, uh, and I wish Mark Sullivan was here to tell the story. He, he was out, um, I think Jim was preaching, so I went out in the hall, and this guy had some, some needs, which isn't uncommon. But after we kind of loaded him up with some food and Mark felt prompted to do some other things for him, he said that this guy had a prophetic word for our church that Mark was sure this guy was an angel uh, because he shifted from being this guy who was in need to someone who saw some things for us in the spirit realm. So again, we just never know, right? So the whole point of that, and I kind of got off a little bit, that the whole point though is that angels are, from scripture, they're messengers. Sometimes they show up in disguise. So just be aware of that. Now, what else does the Bible tell us about angels? Well, according to Scripture, all through Scripture, angels are fierce warriors. They are supernatural beings created by God. They partner with God to do the work that God gives them, and they are fierce. These, these supernatural beings are not chubby little cherubs floating on a cloud. <laughs> they're, they're not at all even like the, you know, sweet um, angels that we see on our beloved manger scenes at Christmas. I'm sorry to spoil it for you. That is not what angels look like. According to scripture, angels are fierce, fierce warriors. Like, to get a picture of what angels are like, we need to erase the images of Angels from, from movies and TV and, and the cute little manger scenes because angels are not like what we would imagine if we just took our cues from the culture around us and even the art from uh, decades and centuries past. They are not cute, pudgy little toddlers. Um, they are not the TV or movie type. Uh, none of those caricatures, none of them, represent accurately what we see from the Bible and the angels that we meet in Scripture. I mean, when the angels do make an appearance to people, and unlike the few times where they were in disguise, everywhere else when an angel runs into a person in the Bible, um, 
what is the experience? Like what happens to the person when the angel shows up? Anybody know? Yeah, they're terrified. Boom, like they're on the floor, they're on their face, they're shaking. As soon as this angel shows up, they're like, oh, don't hurt me, right? Um, it's like they're going to probably wet their pants. Um, maybe that wasn't in the text, but, you know, who knows? But, um, and what's interesting, every time an encounter like that happens in Scripture, it's like the angel, you know, the person boom, falls down to the floor, and the angel kind of has to say to the person, hey, 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 listen, listen, uh, it's okay, I'm not going to hurt you, don't be afraid, would you just stand up, come on, come on, stand up, right? <laughs> That's what the angels do every time, just, okay, get off your face, bro. Um, and why are they so af- fearsome, like, why are people afraid? Because angels are fierce warriors, fierce warriors. One example is 2 Kings 19. Uh, King Hezekiah of Israel and Judah there, he's facing this impossible battle against this ruthless Assyrian army. And and verse uh, 35 says, says, who will put it on the screen, it says, um, that night the what? The angel of the Lord went out and killed how many people? 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp on behalf of, you know, God Almighty. And it's like, wait a minute, how many angels did it take? One. (laughs) One angel. One. Um, Real quick, for those of you that study uh, scripture, um, in the book of Exodus, how many did it take to destroy all the firstborn in Egypt? One. Um, in Revelation chapter 9, does anybody remember how many, and these are fallen angels, but how many are turned loose to kill one-third of the people of the earth? Four. These are fairly fierce creatures, wouldn't you say? <laughs> fairly fierce. They are so fierce that they can kill thousands of people at one time, and yet we know because of what Jesus said about children and angels that they're so gentle that they can protect a child. They're fierce and gentle. But come back to the whole fierce thing. Like, think of what the angel must look like, right? If you did see an angel, an angel that's so fierce that they could, you know, kill thousands of people at a time, no wonder when someone does see one that the, the human is so petrified. And there's this really cool example of this in Daniel chapter 10. And, and in the story in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel has been fasting and praying for Three weeks, three weeks waiting to hear an answer from God, and then this happens in verse 4. Verse 4 says, on April 23rd, I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, and I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning. His Eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. So, you know, kind of looks a lot like me, right? Thank you for laughing. Um, The people, and here's fast forward a little bit, the people that were with Daniel, they were so terrified that they ran, it says they ran and hid, and Daniel himself just like collapses on the ground. He is scared out of his mind. The angel tells him, like happens often, hey, hey, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. And in verse 12, the angel says this, 
Now listen to this. Don't be afraid, Daniel. <laughs> Again, don't be afraid, right? <laughs> I'm petrified. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day, how long had he been praying and fasting? Three weeks, 21 days. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request was heard in heaven, and I've come in answer to your prayer. Now check the next verse out. 13 says, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, what, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. The first day Daniel prayed, his prayer was answered, but it took 21 days for this angel to fight his way through to deliver God's message to Daniel because there was this unseen battle that was happening in the supernatural world trying to block the answer to Daniel's prayer. And, and that angel needed help from Mike, Michael the archangel. I mean, this is mind-blowing. The angel basically then is, he's kind of like, hey, now listen close, because Michael's holding off this territorial spirit. I've got to get back there because another one's coming that we've got to fight as well. It's like, what in the world? What? We are seeing the, the uh, supernatural world. There's just a little bit of the curtain that gets pulled back here to give us a little insight to what happens in spiritual battles. And if nothing else, it shows us that, friends, there is more going on behind the scenes in the unseen world than we will ever know. I mean, I think of these angels in this battle, and, and like they sound to me like the equivalent of the Navy SEALs, right? One of them is powerful and fierce, but God decks the universe with hundreds and thousands of these mighty warriors, it, it has me asking the question, whoa, if those kind of characters are spread all over the universe with that kind of fierceness and might, what kind of story is it that we are living in? What is this story really like? It's not everybody loves Raymond, right? This is not Friends. <laughs> the story we live in is not, you know, young Sheldon or... Superstore, um, angels show us in their fierceness that the universe that God created is anything but nice and sweet, harmless and cozy. That the story we live in is a battleground. It is dangerous. It is fierce. It is a love story. We know from other times we talk about this. It is a love story, but it is fierce. And in the story God is writing from eternity past up until we are here and beyond us, that story, that story is a story where God is the hero and his angels are his allies, his warriors. And they exist and they are at war because there is an enemy. There is an enemy. And he also has troops. And I talked about this a few weeks ago where Satan and a bunch of angels revolted against God and that's where the battle started. 
these fallen angels became demons. Ephesians 6 explains that there are also principalities, powers, there are rulers of the darkness of this age, there are spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, and that's New Testament. So if you were like, oh, this angel stuff's all Old Testament, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) This battle is ongoing. It is in both the Old and New Testament. See, there is a spiritual battle being waged, and apparently, friends, we are in this battle like it or not. We are players in this battle, and our prayers play a part in fighting in this spiritual battle. But I have to remind us of this, even when I say that. I want to remind us that that is not the entirety of the story. There is battle, and we need to be aware, and we need to be awakened to the spiritual battle of our lives. We need to remember and just be on alert and not surprised that we have an enemy. We need to remember that, but we have to remember even more so that God is all-powerful, that there is no reason to fear. God rules and reigns over an army of angels who are at war fighting on behalf of you and me. God is almighty. It is who he is. In fact, almighty is a part of the name of God to remind us of the truth of who God is and what his character is like. Have you ever, um, have you ever been reading the Bible and you come across that you know, phrases in the Bible like the Lord Almighty? Have you ever seen the Lord Almighty or the Lord of hosts? Those kinds of things that we're like, ah, I'm not quite sure what that means. Um, and a lot of times, to be honest, it doesn't resonate. Uh, I like how John Eldridge points it out this way. He says, there's something too religious about the phrase. It sounds churchy, sanctimonious. The Lord Almighty. Sounds like something your grandmother would say when you came into her kitchen covered in mud. Anybody got that, Grandma? Yeah. Now, for me, when something seems curious or odd in Scripture, it's good to do a little study and, and see what I'm missing. Uh, And so I want to know, what does the actual phrase, the Lord Almighty, mean in the Hebrew, which is the Old Testament writings, uh, in that original language of the Old Testament? And maybe, maybe we lost something in the translation. And the first clue that we have is in many translations, the Lord, L-O-R-D, is spelled with all capitals. Look in your Bible. Most of your translations, it'll be spelled in all capitals, right? Um, And, you know, all caps, right? He's not shouting. The Bible's not shouting at you, right? The Lord, right? Anybody ever have that mistake, especially, you know, like all caps texting, you know? I used to do that a lot, and my son was like, Dad, why are you shouting at me, right? So. Sorry, yeah. Um, But that is not what's happening. It's not, you know, you're not being shouted at. Um, Lord is in all capitals because it's giving us a clue that there's more to the Lord's name than we would see or even understand at first glance. Lord Almighty is not a folksy word. It is not a religious word. Lord Almighty in the Hebrew means the God of angel armies. The God of the armies who fights for his people. It means the God who is at war. Which helps me a ton, right? When I see that, it makes a lot more sense than when I would normally just kind of see the Lord Almighty um, and not know what that original phrase meant and just see it there in all caps or whatever. Um, you know, with Lord Almighty, as I normally read it, would, would it just automatically suggest to me, you know, the God who is at war? Would I, 
Like, not to me, it doesn't, right? If I just read the Lord Almighty or the Lord of hosts, it kind of sounds like, well, he's the God who's up there somewhere, you know, undisturbed, still in charge. You know, he's powerful, yes, but he's, yeah, he's kind of out there. He's just away from us, which is fine, which is good that God is that. But friends, it is not enough for God to be out there distant or aloof or just almighty up there. It's not enough, which is why knowing that that name of God, the Lord Almighty, knowing that it actually means something more than meets the eye, helps us to see more clearly who God is. And it's so, so helpful, so helpful to know this. Eldridge again here says, the God of angel armies. That sounds like the one who would roll up his sleeves, take a sword and shield to break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron to rescue me. To rescue you. See, the Lord Almighty is that God. He's active. He's, he's engaged. He's commanding his angels concerning you. He will order his angels, Psalm 91 says, to protect you wherever you go. See, imagine the captain of angel armies dispatching his angelic troops to watch over and protect you. Now, with that, Lord God Almighty, God of angel armies, in mind, check out one last story from the Old Testament here. In 2 Kings chapter 6, the whole story is from verse 18 to 17. Actually, it goes farther than that, but we'll hit parts of it here. It tells the story here of the prophet Elisha. Um, And there's the king of Aram, which is um, Syria. But the king of Aram was at war with, with Israel. And every time that the king of Aram would try to set up an ambush or a trap for the Israelites or their army, the prophet Elisha would go and tell the king of Israel, hey, hey, look out, don't go there, it's a trap, right? So often did this happen that the king of Aram was enraged, figured there must be a traitor in his inner circle that was spilling the secrets and tipping off the Israelites, but his men told him, no, 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 no. Elisha the prophet tells, tells the king of Israel, what your plans are. He even tells him the things that you say in the privacy of your bedroom because he's the prophet. Now the king then decides, king of Aram wants to capture Elisha. So here we go, verse 14. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of Elisha, the man of God, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops Horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, he cried, what will we do now? Now, just pause here for a second. Put yourself in the shoes of Elisha's servant here. You and I probably would have been filled with fear too, right? And this is where we want to pay close attention to this story because there's a powerful truth that I think we need to catch. Now, without faltering, Elisha calmly told his servant, verse 16, Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Now again, pause for a second. Can you imagine like the young man is like, uh, there's no logic in what 
Elisha just said. There's just the two of us against this entire army. Had the old prophet, you know, gone blind or was he finally just nuts? Like, what? What? Does he not know? But before the servant could get worked up any more and get into more of a panic, verse 17, then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Now, this week, go on and and read the rest of of the story, um, because Elisha then just messes with these guides, leads them into a trap, and you can read that on your own. But but I want to look back here at verse 16 and 17, where he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes, let him see. And the Lord opened his eyes. He saw that the hillside, with his eyes opened, he saw the hillside was filled with horses and chariots of fire. There was God's army of angels flanking them at every side. The Lord Almighty God of angel armies had shown up and and the army was there. It was lit up with the glory, the beauty, the majesty of the Lord Almighty, the God of angel armies. And now the servant could see reality. And when he did, he must have been completely blown away because now he saw what was really true. What was really true was that the army that he had been afraid of was not nearly as large as he thought it was. In fact, they must have been dwarfed by the power and angel armies of God. And I love, I love that Elisha said to him, let's read this out loud together. Ready? Don't be afraid. There are more on our side than theirs. Let's read that again. Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Don't be afraid, right? There's more with us than are against us. The the King James Version, I love it, says, And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. So that's good. Whichever one of those works for you, whichever one sticks, I want to hang on to those phrases this week, right? I mean, just think about this. Before he could see, before his eyes were open, why had the young man been so fearful while Elisha was fearless? And the big reason is they saw different things. The young man at first just saw the great Syrian army, but Elisha saw an even greater angelic army with chariots of fire because Elisha could see with spiritual eyes, with spiritual insight. He was actually seeing reality because his eyes were open to the supernatural world, which is just as, if not more real than the physical world. I mean, can you imagine for you and I, if we, even for a moment, could just remove the veil that blocks our eyes and our view of the unseen world, what we would see is that there are angels all around us as well. And it would be amazing to be able to see that. But here's the really cool part of this. Even though we might not be able to you know, see them with our physical eyes, the truth is, according to Scripture, angels are still real. 
They are still present. They are sent by God to protect us, to war on our behalf. And we can take courage that no matter what it is that we face, the army of angels that is with us is greater than the forces of evil that are against us. Whether we see them or not, in the unseen world, this is the truth. This is the reality, especially for followers of Jesus. My friends, my brothers and sisters, maybe you're having a hard time seeing hope for your future. Um, and if joy seems like an impossible joke or it seems like life is just stacked against you and you will never find freedom, you will never find victory is what you're starting to believe. If that's you, will you, will you commit that scripture to heart? Do not be afraid. There are more on our side than on theirs. Will you hold on to that? You know, in the last few weeks, we talked about how using the truth of Scripture to fight against the lies is a powerful weapon. Will you use this verse even as a weapon in your own life to counter the battles that you are facing, that, that you don't have to be afraid? Don't be afraid. There are more on our side than on theirs. Maybe you're in a constant battle with fear. Will you hang on to that scripture? Do not be afraid. There are more on my side than there are against me. Maybe you find yourself besieged by debts or your job is unstable or maybe you lost a job and haven't been able to find a new one. Do not fear. There are more that are for you. There are more on your side than there are against you. Maybe you are being um, or dealing with a terminal illness. Or maybe the anxiety of chronic pain or illness plagues you. Can you hang on to the truth that there are more with you than are against you? Maybe there's constant anxiety for the safety of your, your children. Or maybe they're not walking with God or you have a lot of fear about their relationship with God. Friends, no matter how big it seems, no matter what problem you face or how insurmountable the odds, let's remember this truth that the Lord God Almighty, the God of angel armies is with you. There is no weapon that is formed against you that will prosper. There is no scheme of the enemy that can defeat you when you lean into the truth of God's promises and trust him. It doesn't mean everything's gonna work out perfectly fine and okay. It does mean that he is with you. He is with you. He is with you. Worship team, will you, will you come? Friends, um, each of us, in one way or another, you are in a battle. It's a part of this life. It's a part of the story that we are in, and there is no escaping it. Now, I know for some people, this idea that there is an unseen world where there are supernatural beings that are both good and evil, they're all around us, it might feel a little scary for some folks. But for Christians, for followers of Jesus, let me remind you, you have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. God has put his name on you. He is protecting and guarding you. And those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. And we're speaking about the unseen world, not the enemies of people we imagine that we are dealing with here on earth. I'm talking about the unseen world where the real battle is. And when you face anxiety and fear 
and uncertainty, when, when maybe you even become aware that you are definitely in the middle of some kind of spiritual warfare, I think there's such confidence and comfort that comes from knowing that Jesus has given you authority to use his name to fight back against enemy attack and to know that God's angel armies are with you in the battle. See, you are not alone. God is with you. He is your defender. He dispatches angels to do battle on your behalf. He is the God who rolls up his sleeves, commands mighty fierce angels to cut through gates of bronze and iron. No matter what you face, God is with you. No matter what forces you face, God directs his angel armies to fight with you and for you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and I want to pray a prayer together that asks Jesus to send angel armies to be around us in our family. And I'm going to pray it phrase by phrase, and I would love all of you to pray it with me, and this is all taken from Scripture. But let's pray this together and then go into a song of worship of our great God. Jesus, thank you for your angels. Let's try that again. Jesus, thank you for your angels. I summon them in the name of Jesus Christ and instruct them to destroy all that is raised against me to establish your kingdom over me, to rebuild the shields and hedges of protection around me and my household. Now friends, just speak the names of the family members um, to God right now that you are praying on behalf of. Just pray that right now and then we'll keep praying here. But pray the name of your spouse, of your kids. Just pray those out loud on behalf of who you are praying. Yes, Jesus. Heidi from Noah. Danny, Andy, Arlo, Elliot, Ryan, my mom and dad, my siblings. Jesus. Let's keep praying. Jesus. Jesus. Will you instruct your angels to minister to me? Your ministry. Open the eyes of our hearts that we will see that you are great and that Jesus is the name above all names. Amen.